I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, October 24th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So, Jay, laugh at Liz Truss, the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, all you want. But being set for life after 44 days of work, that's a win, at least in our books. That's right. Britain's former Prime Minister will be entitled to £115,000 and an annual allowance for life. That's like the cash for life lottery that they used to have here in Ontario, Jay. Would, is that enough for you? Would you be happy with that? I mean, 45 days, she'll go down in history as the shortest tenured Prime Minister in the UK, I, I don't know if a lifelong level of embarrassment and ridicule is worth it, but it does make it easier <laughs> if you get back out of money annually. It, you know, it should definitely make it easier. And I know she's not looking at it that way, but I'm sitting here thinking, uh, imagine all the stuff you can do on top of the speaking fees you'll get and the advisory positions that you'll land after your 44 days. Now you get this allowance, you'll be in St. Bart's on the beach with a nice villa. You know, just relax. Take it easy. I hope she just goes away for a bit and takes some time to herself and then comes back when when everything is, let's just say, settled down more. And she'll be driving a new car when she does. Brett, aside from a lifelong juicy pension for 44 days of work, what do we have for Peak Dolls today? For our first story, Snap's stock isn't doing so hot. For our second story, the G7 cap on Russian oil prices might not work. And for our last story, Apple and Android are taking their fight from the phones to the cars. For our first story, if Snap's earnings are any indication of how social media companies are faring right now, the answer is not well. Not well at all, Brett. You could say that for anyone investing in the stock market right now, but what's going on, Brett? Yeah, well, you definitely could. And I know, Jay, you and I are probably feeling that a bit, but Snap's got it really bad. So you think we've had it bad? Snap's got it really bad. The Snapchat parent company kicked off social media earnings by reporting its slowest quarterly sales growth ever. (laughs) thanks to a steep drop in advertising dollars. Apple's privacy changes to iOS, which made it harder to target ads, and the popularity of rival app TikTok were also a drag on growth. Now, investor fears snowballed to affect Meta and Pinterest. Twitter's share price also fell, but we can partly blame Elon Musk for that. I will blame Elon Musk for that. If you think you've read this before, you're right. The takeaways from Snap's last earnings report were similar. Not enough advertising dollars is a problem that isn't going away. Yeah, digital ad companies have collectively lost roughly $1 trillion in value this year. And you don't need to be Warren Buffett to know that that's a, let's just say, bad sign. Yeah, it's not a great sign. But there is hope. Be Real, the no-frills social app that's taken off with Gen Z, recently secured $60 million at a $587 million valuation, this according to TechCrunch. And what's impressive is this is despite the fact that the app has no ads, generates no money, and has no real path to profitability except maybe a subscription service. Maybe. But here's the bottom line. As advertising as a core moneymaker falters as a reliable way to grow revenue, the social media industry is facing an existential crisis with companies copying each other's features to captivate advertising tar, I mean, audiences. Maybe b has got it right. Instead of trying to wring out a dry sponge, social media companies could focus on creating value and put profits to the side. Sounds like an idea. For our second story, the G7 price cap on Russian oil imports set to start December 5th has been touted as the biggest step yet in defunding the Russian war machine, but experts aren't so sure. Jay, can you catch the peak up on what's happening with the G7 price cap? Sure. Last month, G7 nations agreed to impose a cap on the price of Russian oil imports in a bid to reduce Russia's energy revenue and, 
as a little bonus, curtail prices. Now, to enforce it, London-based ship insurers, which cover about 95% of the world's oil tankers, are not allowed to insure any vessels carrying oil sold above the cap price. Now, driving the news, this plan's all well and good in theory, but in practice. Russia should be able to secure enough tankers to ship about 80 to 90% of its oil unabated. This according to Reuters. Now, Russian oil could flow outside the capping mechanism with a quote-unquote shadow fleet of ships arriving from non-Russian countries that are either Russian-insured or self-insured. Iran and Venezuela have effectively used similar strategies to move their oil around U.S. sanctions, though Russia would have a harder time since it exports way more oil. Now, one expert told Reuters, all it's going to do is reroute oil and make life difficult for everyone else, which is what is happening right now anyway. Russia earns about $20 billion every month from its oil exports. Slashing this revenue won't be enough to stop Russia from funding the war in Ukraine, but it is a start, Brett. The plan is yet to get buy-in from India and China, whose participation is crucial for it to work, given Russia's threat to stop selling oil to any country using the cap. Convincing India and China to join the cap isn't out of the realm of possibility. It would mean cheaper energy, but the G7 can't afford to hold its breath until they sign on. Now, to zoom out... The workaround would force Russia to use worse insurance and conduct longer, costlier voyages, which could be enough of a pain point to surrender to the price cap eventually. It's friend-shoring, Brett. For our third story, the battle between blue and green bubbles is about to get a whole lot uglier as cars evolve into driving devices. Brett, I know this is personal for us. That's why you use Apple and I use Android. And that's why the rivalry is going to heat up even more. Yeah, and it's going to the cars, Jay. So picture this, Jay. When you hit up the dealership, the second question you might get after the kind of vehicle you're looking for might be, and what phone do you have to determine the type of software you'll need to connect your phone to your car, per the Wall Street Journal? Google offers automakers open source software and licensing options, and Apple also has snagged partnerships to bring in the next gen of CarPlay to life. Now, here's why it matters. If the mobile industry is any indication of what's to come, this could set the stage for a duopoly that could limit options and create price differences between similar makes and models based only on the operating system. And it's happening because tech companies create cool stuff, but are also in the business of data collection. Building software into vehicles offers insight into everything from where you go to how you drive to if you stay on top of your oil changes. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Brett. Brett, have a good week. You too, Jay.